I want you to turn your Bibles with me. Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And the book of Matthew, as well as Luke, give us an introduction in the early life of Christ. It's uh, the two books, Matthew and Luke, that give us the most insight in what we call the Christmas story. But Matthew 1, 18 will actually connect us back to the Old Testament 700 years prior to a prophecy given by Isaiah. That's an incredible thought. It's one of, the ways that, one of the ways that the Bible is validated, that we can prove, if you want to even say prove scientifically, that the Bible is true because words predicted 700 years before they happen actually come to pass. Matthew 1.18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, in other words, this means before they were, before they were married, uh, uh, they did not have sexual intimacy. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. An angel of the... And I bet that went over well with Joseph. Can you imagine Mary uh, telling Joseph, Honey, this most amazing thing happened to me. God made me pregnant. And I'm sure Joseph said, Wonderful. No. He probably had one of two reactions. One of them is, is I'm going to whip him, whoever he is, or you don't like me anymore. And he would just, you know, he'd leave her. But, but he, he was not as into this as she was. But in the midst of the night, an angel of the Lord, verse 20, appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. This is Isaiah 7:14. The virgin will conceive and bear a son. It's supernatural. And they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then Joseph woke up, did what the angel of the Lord had commanded, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate his marriage. In other words, they were not sexually intimate until she gave birth to a son. And she gave him the name of Jesus. As I said, this Christmas story, it validates the Christian faith historically, prophetically, and scientifically as well. But I want you to see it from a different perspective. I want you to see the sexual purity that surrounded the birth of Christ for Mary and his, as it were, stepfather Joseph. But again, before they came together, before they had sex, when they were engaged, the Holy Spirit came upon her. She was a virgin. The Bible extolled that virtue of purity. And then even after her pregnancy, after their marriage... They even abstained from sexual intimacy until Christ, the Savior of the world, was born. Now, I want to contrast that for a moment as we look at the truth of the Christmas story. I want to move to a, a cultural uh, event that's going on right now, a cultural expression where we are finding uh, throughout modern culture sexual harassment allegations are flying across America. You cannot pick up a newspaper, you cannot pick up the internet, you cannot watch the news without somebody else coming out. Uh, I have seen two of our former presidents be accused of some sexual harassment. Uh, uh, we've seen movie producers, we've seen some of our favorite movie stars. Uh, this week, Matt Lauer from the Today Show. Uh, and it's certainly trickling through all of society. I spoke to a woman today after first service and she said, I, I worked at a job in town for 25 years I was sexually harassed. It's a part of our culture. It extends on the worst side of it to rape. It extends all the way down to a grab on the buttocks or a grab on the breast 
Uh, it could be words spoken, words of enticement, words to seduce. It might even be manipulation that if you want to get ahead in this company, you have sex with me. Or if you don't, I'll, uh, you'll lose your job or, or you won't ever be promoted. So contrast the biblical purity to what we see going on around us today. And I want to suggest in the strongest terms, this is what happens when a society ignores God's standards of sexual morality and puts lust in the driver's seat. You see, we're a nation today, we're a culture that doesn't have sexual standards. It's almost like anything goes. And think about that now. Since the 60s, since America said, God is dead, no more commandments on the, on the walls of the school, everybody can do that which is right in their own eyes. And that's pretty much the new sexual norm. Whatever you want to do, as long as it's consenting people. And now the whole issue of, of course, we still are reluctant as a culture to embrace uh, an adult and a child in some sexual expression. But there's pressures across society. For example, the National Man-Boy Love Association, NAMBLA, endeavoring to push the age of consent down across the world. So there, there are still some isolated events, but now the world is having to do a rethink because there must be some boundaries somewhere. And this is what I want to talk to you about this, uh, this morning. I want to talk to you about the epidemic of lust in our society and how uh, I want to share with you in the first part of the message a biblical view of, of lust and love and, and purity and marital fidelity, what's right and what's wrong. Uh, secondly, I, I want to share you in the most practical terms some things that will help you. If you are like me, uh, if you, you sang these worship songs today, Lord, I want to love you, uh, I want to be closer to you, well, how many know this spills over into the area of intimacy in our life? Uh, I, I have been uh, married 34 years to my first wife, uh, and I have not had another girlfriend. Uh, I, I've never strayed. I've never had an affair with anyone. How about you? No. All right. So to make sure. Um, but I've struggled. I've struggled. You hadn't, though. But I've struggled. How about you? It's a part of our culture, this idea of lust. Well, let's talk about it uh, this morning. Um, I've entitled the message Purity. And let's look first, as, again, what this thing called lust is. Because what you're seeing in the public media that's being exposed today is not love. Let me tell you what lust is. Lust is this burning, longing desire for sexual fulfillment outside the bonds of marriage. Uh, flip side, though, uh, well, of course, uh, the Bible warned us in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. The Message Bible says, no lusting after your neighbor's wife. Did you know that was one of the big ten? Don't covet anything your neighbor has. Jesus even said in Matthew 5, 28, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And I would dare say that every one of us, even the most saintly among us, have in some way failed even in our heart with this thing called lust. It's out there. But let me kind of balance it by saying this. The sexual attraction between men and women is God's idea. You should have given me a round, rounding amen on that one. Saturday night, they got excited about that. <laughs> the attraction that I began to feel as a teenager and feel to this day towards women, but a woman in particular, is God's idea. It is more than just the procreation of the, ra of, of the race. Sexual intimacy does not embarrass God. Uh, God created our bodies. 
uh, it was more than just two single-cell organisms, you know, uh, in the primal ooze. Hey, babe, <laughs> what's up? It's more than that. God created us, and lest I turn red, God gave a woman the body she has and a man the body he has, and it was not just for procreation, but it was for enjoyment. But God also put a boundary around it. He limited it to be enjoyed in marriage between a man and a woman. This is God's idea. It's God's gift. Uh, Hebrews 13 says, honor marriage, and notice what it says, guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy. Everybody say guard. In other words, I've got to preserve this experience that is reserved for my wife and I. If I'm married, if I'm single, that experience yet to come. I've got to guard this between husband and wife. Uh, when God put these boundaries around us, it was not to punish us. In other words, when God said to this 19-year-old that's, that's, that's testosterone is going out the roof, uh, or a 30-year-old, or a 40-year-old, it was not because he wants to quench your happiness and cramp your style. I want to suggest to you God was con uh, thought about things like sexually transmitted diseases. I can virtually, I can guarantee you how not to get pregnant and not to get a sexually transmitted disease. Just live a sexually pure life. But you know what? I'm fully convinced of this. I've been married 34 years, and I'm convinced that one of the reasons God wants us to be pure before marriage is so we don't have the struggle of comparison after marriage. God's very concerned about these kind of things in our life. Uh, God's concerned about our propensity to adultery. Because I can assure you that the more we allow ourselves, particularly if you open the door to pornography, if you allow lust to begin to grow in your heart, you're far more likely to commit adultery, to go outside the bonds of marriage. And marriage is hard enough already. That makes it doubly complicated. God can help heal and restore, but it makes it more difficult and for the Christian, one reason that God calls us towards purity is because our marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. And how many know, listen, lust is different from love. Lust is basically, I want it, I want you, uh, and it may even be couched in words, I love you. Now, let me share something with my sisters in Christ just a second, particularly the younger ones. The guys that are telling you they love you are not really in love with you. What they want is they want you to gratify their sexual desires. And that is not love, that's lust. And if you find yourself in the car with somebody and they're coming across that way and you just kind of feel the situation's getting a little heated, hopefully you have a cold drink in the car, pour it on him. <laughs> cool him off. I am red. <laughs> Honey, you sure you've been straight? All right. Let me read you 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Is it okay to be this real this morning? You know, Matt Lauer on the Today Show, uh, someone told me between services uh, that he was making $20 million a year. It's hard to believe. But yet he was in this place of power and lust controlled his life. And now he's being mocked and laughed at and ridiculed, felt sorry for, sued and everything else and having to sue back because he let lust come in his life and bring destruction. Because here's the deal. God wants our happiness. The counterfeit brings destruction. 
Let me give you what I think. First Thessalonians 4, a sexual standard for Christians to live by. Uh, it's the best verse, few verses in all of the Bible that brings all this together. Uh, listen to what Paul said. He said, We ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk to please God, and this is the root of it, how do I live a life pleasing to God, not just in worship on Sunday for an hour, but in my everyday life? He said, This is the will of God. Very clearly, your sanctification, which means how to live a life set apart to God, and it's this way, abstain from sexual immorality. So, in, in, again, in our culture, nothing is wrong sexually. As long as it's consensual, as long as you wear a condom, and, and if you had a problem, take the morning after pill. Anything else goes, but that's not biblical. Now, this is a church, I want to do my best as your pastor to do two things. I want to always... I want to always have a biblical standard of truth, but I always want to come across in a humble, non-judgmental way because I'm a sinner just like everybody else in this room. I did not live a Christian life in my early teenage years, and I'm ashamed of that. It took me a few years after I became a Christian to clean up this part of my life, and if I, if I could redo a part of my life, I wish I could go back from 17, 18, 19, and maybe even a couple years in my early 20s. I wish I could redo that in my life, but I can't. But here's the thing. I cannot change the past. I can ask God for forgiveness, but from this day forward, come on now, I can set myself that I'm going to live for God and I'm going to serve God, whether I'm single, whether I'm married, wherever I am in my life, I want to live a life to please God. Notice what he said, verse 4. Each of, one, uh, of you should know how to control his own body. And this is key. I'm going to teach you some practical things in a moment. But know how to control your body, not in the passion of lust. And virtually everything, listen, when that guy is saying, I want you, I need you, I love you. He does not love you. He's in love with himself. Come on now. He wants to gratify himself. You know what love is? The scripture teaches in, in, in Ephesians that I'm to love my wife as Christ loved the church. So it's not, there's a difference between love and lust. But notice what he says. Learn to control your body, not in the passion of lust. And verse 6 kind of is, I've not heard this anywhere else. No one should transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. In other words, if I have sex with someone other than my wife, I'm sinning against the man, come on now, to whom that woman will marry and vice versa. I'm sinning against them. And the Lord is an avenger in these things. He's writing to Christians. God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. And this is the biggie. If you disregard this, you disregard not man, but God. So that's, that's God's standards. But, but the Bible is not silent about uncontrolled lust and human weakness. Uh, I want to give you a ex couple examples. One is rape. Uh, Genesis 34, one day Dinah went to visit some of the young women in her area. She was a, she was a, 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 a Jew. She was from the, the tribe of Israel. When the local prince, his name was Shechem, saw Dinah, he seized her and he raped her. In other words, his lust pushed him to gratify himself. He overpowered her. He used his position of power and he raped her. In verse 3, it's kind of odd. Then he fell in love with her. And he tried to win her affection with tender words and told his dad, get me the young girl, I want to marry her. Can I tell you, friend, that is not the way it's supposed to work. God's best for us is that God's design is that sex follows marriage, not before. 
that when I say I love you, I keep myself for you. And then when we marry, then we enjoy this wonderful gift from God, the balance of our days. If you were a single person in this room today, I'm 60. I have been a pastor for, I don't know, 35 years maybe. Let me give you some advice if you're single today. Don't just go looking for a man. Don't just dress up in your, you know, your cutest little outfit there and, and go looking for a guy. Because you'll find, hey, come on, what you want to do is you want to first figure out who God has made you to be and what God's plan is for your life. And when you know who you are, listen, it's not going to be a problem for someone to be intimate with you. That is not the problem, girls, at all. And even in today's world, guys, that's not the problem. There are lots of people that would love to be in it with, intimate with you, and you could be intimate with a lot of people. But first figure out who you are, who God's called you to be, and begin starting in that pathway. And what you will find, you will find different people starting to come alongside and going in the same direction. And then you'll be attracted to one. That's how Linnell, Linnell, when I started going to her dad's church, I was in a, a Navy outreach on, 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 the, on the base. She'd come back as a missionary, and uh, they had me teaching a kid's Sunday school class, if you can believe that. And um, uh, okay. I thought she was cute, and I needed help in the Sunday school class, so... We started doing that together. And before you know it, we're serving the Lord together. We love each other. We're attracted to each other. But then one day she became my best friend, and I said, will you marry me? Aww. I know. <laughs> Figure out who God's called you to be. Be that person. Find a friend going in the same direction you're attracted to. Marry your best friend. Because listen, when you're 70 or 75 or 80, you probably won't have sex three times a day. You might when you're 20 or you're 25 or 30 or whatever. But at some point, listen, now you need a companion. You need a friend that is more than just sexual in nature. You need someone to complete you as a human being, as a person. I'm preaching better than some of you are amening this morning. <laughs> Let's stay with this idea. The Bible is not silent. Uh, David. David let lust control him. And, 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 and David was a man after God's own heart. David was one of the most esteemed men in the Bible, but let me tell you what lust did to him. 2 Samuel 11, it said, In the spring of the year when kings normally go to war, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. In other words, he was at a place he shouldn't have been, and now it was a setup. Look at verse 2. He's walking on the roof of the palace. He noticed a woman of an unusual beauty taking a bath. He's on a higher building. He looks down, and she's there, and and she's naked and taking a bath. And he said, wow, lust is reaching out for her. He asked some people, mind you now, he's the king. He's a man of power. And someone said she's Bathsheba, the wife of your friend Uriah. But lust was so overpowering, David said, get her for me. He sleeps with her. And later David sent a message. Uh, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. And then he ended up trying to cover it all up. And then he ended up killing his friend. Now, I'm going to tell you, friend, lust is not love. It's a substitute, and it can end up destroying our life as it is in David's count. Listen, both Shechem in the rape and David in, in, in his lust uh, reached out, and they did things that love does not do. Listen, love gives to another person. Lust takes from myself. Biblical love is different. Now, let me spend the next few minutes talking about how you and I can avoid being controlled by lust. If you would agree with me that 
God's will is very clear that, that, that God created us as sexual beings. God wants us to enjoy that experience, but God's created boundaries around it. Uh, 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 he's reserved it for you and that special someone to share and enjoy for the balance of your days. How can I live within these boundaries? Well, here's the first thing I'd say is that you and I need a biblical conviction about sexual purity. What I mean by that? We need to decide right now up front that, to live God's way. I cannot undo my past, but I can decide from this day forward, I'm going to be careful about who I'm going to befriend on Facebook. Come on now. You know, they're popping up from everywhere. And when they're doing this, they're not just asking you to, you know, be their pen pal. You don't know what a pen pal is, most of you, any, anymore. <laughs> a biblical conviction. Job 31, verse 1. Listen to this. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Well, what does that mean? Job said, I'm going to try to live God's way. I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to endeavor to put God first in my sexual life. And, and you and I must see lust the way God sees it. This push, this passion, this, this, this desire. I want you. Uh, you know, I'm attracted to that. The movies that we watch, the television, the songs we listen to, the way we dress, the places we go, we've got to decide if we're going to go God's way or we're going to turn our back on it. That lust is either an enemy or a friend. Because how many know most people don't go to Hooters for, for the hamburgers? Are, are, are you with me today? <laughs> lust will be my enemy or lust will be my friend. You, God will deliver you from your enemies, but he'll never deliver you from your friends. You got quiet on me. Let me give you one really super important. If you want to, if you want to, 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 to live God's path of purity, we must unequivocally say no to pornography. Because pornography awakens lust. It does not deepen love. It will not spice up your marriage. It will make a bad thing worse. Pornography destroys. Some of the problems with pornography, Marriage Today tells us, it cites at least three. And the first one is, is that pornography changes the way men view women. Now, it's clear that women can lust as well as men. I'm a guy. This is a perspective I understand the most. This applies to all of us. But pornography changes the way we view the other person. As a man, I'd be, I would begin to see women as a sex object, not much different than a sex robot. This whole artificial intelligence, nearly human, it's a dangerous thing. I'd never go there. But it objectifies women. You know, you don't see a, a woman as a possible partner to share life with. You don't see a woman as a possible mother of your children. You don't see a woman, a, a woman as someone that you'd be willing to care for if she's sick or if she's in trouble. No, you just see her from the, between the chin and the belly button. Are you with me today? Feigning religiosity in church. It's a terrible thing. The second thing it does is it introduces, you, when you bring pornography in your life, you bring another person in your married sex life. Now, I don't know about you, but I would not be very happy if Linnell suggested she'd like a threesome. I mean another guy. My ego is not up for that. And yours isn't either. When you look at it on the internet, when you look at it in, in, in the printed page, wherever it is, you bring a third person. And here's what you begin to do. You compare. 
You compare your mate to this other person in your fantasy world, and your mate can never live up to that. They will never perform like that. You're, you, you did not, listen, you, you did not marry a porn star, and you wouldn't want to be married to a porn star. You demean the other person, and you make them feel like they're never good enough. You say, why are you talking to us about this? I read a statistic this week. 65% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women look at pornography regularly. It's out there. We have these natural desires that God has given us, and the world is pulling us outside the boundaries, and it's ultimately destroying people that we're seeing in our public today as opposed to helping. And the third thing, perhaps the most troubling, is escalation. Because in pornography, the same stimulation that once satisfied, no longer satisfied, and your porn must become more explicit and more raunchy until it takes over your life and destroys your marriage. Our culture normalizes pornography even though it addicts people and brings pain. I, I was shocked when I read this, but the biggest porn site in America, or the world, receives more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. Why is that? It's because this urge that God has put within us gets the boundaries have dropped in our culture. It's like when you cross the Red River or Mississippi River, you, you see these big embankments that have been built to keep the water where it's supposed to go, and life is good. But if the embankments, the levees break, it brings destruction. Porn's the same way. Um, pornography, Webroot says pornography increases marital infidelity 300%. Which means if you and I, if I watch pornography, I'm three times more likely to be an adulterer and have an affair on my wife. Three times more is m more likely. And here's one of the most troubling: uh, child pornography is one of the fastest growing online businesses in the world. Child porn. You say, I would never do that. I bet this guy yesterday thought he would never do that. Front page of our paper. Teacher faces more charges. He was caught first in pennies, putting a phone under the stall in a boy's bathroom for pictures. And then they explored him further and more things are coming up. Not to be outdone, a man in Cass County, he gets 85 years for sexual misconduct. 85 years sexual misconduct with a 13-year-old girl. You say, how could that happen? If I was a gambler, I would bet you 100 to 1 or 1,000 to 1 that pornography entered their life and it pulls us in a ditch. So that's the second thing. If you and I want to avoid being controlled by lust, start with a biblical conviction. Say no to porn. And here's a third one. Avoid situations in people that awaken your lust. Now, for some people, that might mean staying home all day. I understand that. But, but even staying home all day will still get you in trouble. This is a heart issue that manifests itself, but it is made worse by where you go. It's fairly hard to be straight in church. Come on, don't raise your hand on that one. But, but <laughs> it's harder if you go across the street to shooters or wherever you would go, and you're dressed just right, and they're dressed just right. Come on now, and you get a little alcohol going, you smoke a little pot, and before you know it, it's harder. Avoid situations that awaken your lust. Here's a scripture, Proverbs 7. I saw among the naive young men... One in particular who lacked common sense. He's crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path of her house. She, she seduced him with her pretty speech, enticed him with her flattery. He's like a bird flying into a trap, little knowing it was cost him his life. 
You say, it's not that bad. Ask Matt Lauer. Ask, you know the list is long. I'm not picking on an individual because how many know, listen, politicians, plumbers, and pastors, how many know everybody is just as susceptible? It will catch you in a trap, but he was in the wrong place. Listen, if you're a single person, and certainly a married person, but if you're single and going out on a date, the last place you want to go, if you want to be sexually pure, is just stay in his apartment and order a pizza. Are you with me today? And light the candles. You know, the next place you don't want to go is on the backside of Bringle Lake with a blanket and a picnic basket. Come on. And he'd probably bring a little wine to loosen things up a little bit. Are, are, are you with me today? Now, come on, you're doing it again because you know it's true. This guy, if he wasn't where he shouldn't have been, he wouldn't have done what he did. Let me give you an, a contrast. Joseph, one of the greats of the New Testament, of the Old Testament, Genesis 39, Joseph was very handsome and a well-built young man. In other words, Joseph worked out at the gym, you know. I mean, he had, Joseph had it. He, he wore, I don't anymore. He, he, he wore a small t-shirt, are you with me? And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. So ladies, please come down to the carnal nature of, uh, level of your brothers here. We all know this is a human problem. Now, Potiphar's wife is in a place of power. Joseph is the slave, literal slave. She said, come and sleep with me, but Joseph refused. But notice what he said. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin. Huh. So it was not just losing his job. It was not just getting in trouble, getting found out. It was not just getting a disease. It was not just getting pregnant. It was, this is a direct assault against my relationship with God. So if I'm going to sit in church and say, I love you, Lord. I want to be closer to you. It, it, it filters down in all areas of our life. Uh, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. Now, Joseph couldn't do anything about it. Joseph is a slave. I would suggest to you, if you're in a job or if you're on a team, or if something, a dynamic is in place there to where you know you are this far from falling and the pressure continues to go, I'd get another job. Because your ultimate relationship with your spouse is worth more than a couple bucks. Come on, give me an amen on that. He refused to sleep with her. He kept out of her way as much as possible. But one day, when no one else was around, he went to do his work. And she came and grabbed him by the coat and demanded, sleep with me. And he ran out of the house. Everybody say, good for Joseph. Now, she then told a lie. Let me know, if you're going to commit adultery, you're going to lie too. And, and not every accusation that's made in terms of these sexual allegations across America can be believed. I mean, just because somebody says it doesn't mean it's true. Who knows what the truth is with Judge Moore. But in this case, he runs away, which is a good, good thing. He runs away from her. Guess what? She said, told her husband, he tried to rape me. He throws, her in, he throws him in jail. But how many know God is with him? And God doesn't leave him in jail. God has him there just a little while. And before you know it, he's the vice president of all of Egypt. Listen, it's never wrong to do the right thing. And if you and I will stick to that pattern, listen, God will bless our life. Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand today. Adopt a biblical conviction. Say no to porn. Avoid situations that awaken your lust. Here's a fourth one. Set boundaries. Think, think of the river, the Red River. Uh, our Vice President Mike Pence, a number of months ago, said he never eats alone with a woman other than his wife 
and won't attend events featuring alcohol without her by his side. Well, when this came out, I think it was the Washington Post, uh, he was ridiculed. Uh, he, was, he was lambasted. This man is not fit to govern. You know, he's, he demeans women. He would exclude them from, you know, positions of power. On and on and on and on and on. But now, this same media, who's been hit with sexual allegations at the highest level, and they're figuring out what to do, he's still walking hand in hand in love with his wife. And why is that? Boundaries. Let me say something here. I'm a little reluctant to say this, but I, I want to do it anyway. Ladies, you can help your brothers in Christ. 1 Timothy 2 verse 9, Paul the Apostle said, I, I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves. Now, let me say unequivocally, men are responsible for their actions. I don't care how you dress. I don't care if I go to a, if I go to a, a, a beach and, and, and they're clothed with Walmart bags. Are, are you with me today? I do not have the liberty and freedom, and it can never be justified if I in some way abuse or rape or molest or some other person. I am responsible for my actions. But can I tell you, ladies, men get turned on by the way you dress sometimes. And the culture that we live in today, here, here's the dress. The culture we live in today says the tighter the better, the more skin the better, the more lustive, the more provocative the better. Now, come on. We all know it's true. I'm a father of two daughters. Every time Linnell would shop for bathing suits in the summer, I would never like what she bought home. But she would always tell me, this was the most modest thing I could find. Now, I'm not telling you to dress in a, in a, in a feed sack, okay? How many know you can lust after a Muslim woman in her full burqa and her job and her whole bit? How many know lust is lust, it's from the heart, but the way we dress. And I'll make a deal with you. Here in church, if you ladies will dress modesty, I won't let men wear Speedos. How about that? Is that fair? Okay. Let's wrap this up. Tell your neighbor this is better than we're amening this morning now. It, is, it just, it just kind of gets where you live. Uh, adopt an offensive strategy. If you want to end up in God's place of blessing, we need to be more offensive than defensive. What do I mean by that? We need to feed our faith more so we grow stronger to be able to say no. See, if I would ask the question, how many in this room know that lust is wrong, everybody would raise their hand. But the problem is we try not to lust, we do anyway and we fail. Don't say amen right now. If we had the willpower to resist, we would. But we kind of do this. We say, okay, okay. Now, I'm never going to do this again. I'm, I, I'm not going to. I just got to church. I, I prayed the Lord. I even went up to the front and let somebody pray for me. I embarrassed myself for the whole way. I am not going to lust again. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm not going to talk to them. And as soon as the text comes, the Facebook, messenger, private messenger, okay, because I don't have willpower. What if? Have, have you ever tried to pick something up and you just couldn't do it? Or have you ever tried to run and you got about 100 yards and you were going, <gasps> and you thought, I'm going to do something about this. And you just started going to the gym and you started exercising and you started running and doing the Stairmaster. And before you knew it, you were stronger. Well, can I tell you what? It is the same thing spiritually. If you and I will become spiritually stronger, our prayer life, our Bible life, our relationship with God, guess what? When lust comes knocking, you can say no. Just because somebody wants to be your friend on Facebook, you do not have to accept them. Tell your neighbor it's almost over. I can tell.
Here's the sixth one. Be accountable to a trusted person. What do I mean by that? Uh, I have over the years, sometimes but not very often, I I have felt attracted to a a person, sometimes in church. I will tell my wife, and I will say, Linnell, that's not someone I would want to be alone with. She goes into karate mode. Now, you have to be careful. Women can handle this. Men cannot handle this. Ladies, I would not suggest you say, man, uh, did you see so-and-so? He'll go nuts. But women can kind of handle this. If you say, but you don't want to say, Linnell, <laughs> did you see so-and-so? Did she look fine. Can you look like that, baby? <laughs> don't, 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 don't do that. I have men that I talk to, mature men, that I humble myself. And I don't go into great, great detail all the time. But you know what I say? I say, I'm struggling with this, and I need you to pray for me. If you get it out of the dark and into the light, God's going to help you. But if you keep it in the dark and you let pride and secrets come on in your life, punch your neighbor and say, you know what's coming. And that's my message to you today. Let's choose purity, huh? Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? And uh, you can rub the sweat from your forehead. I am right now. It's, it's over today. <laughs> but it was good, wasn't it? Because it's where we live. Let me summarize this again. If you and I want to live on this path of pleasing God, put these things up that we said First of all, and I can do this right now, I'm adopting a biblical conviction about sexual purity. I cannot change my past, but I can go forwards with God's ways. I can choose to say no to pornography. If I can't, if it, hang, hang on a minute, if I can't delete the site, if I can't change the password, give my wife the password, I can get some professional help on this one because this is a toughie. The third one, I can avoid situations and even people that awaken my lust. I will not go to those places. Number four, I will set boundaries in my life like Vice President Pence does. Number five, I will adopt an offensive strategy. I will grow stronger spiritually so I can defeat this enemy that wants to destroy my marriage. Lastly, I can be accountable to a trusted person. And I will even add this as a seventh one, that I can find happiness, sexual fulfillment in my marriage. Proverbs 5, 15, uh, 20, 15 It says, be faithful to your wife. Don't give your love. This is sexual to any woman. These things are yours alone and shouldn't be shared with strangers. Verse 18, be happy with the wife you married when you were young. But verse 19 is what captures me. Let her love always make you happy. Let her love always hold you captive. If the Bible tells me that that's possible, then wherever I am in my relationship today, I can believe God today, that God can take a bad thing and make it good. He can take a good thing and make it better. But as I commit myself afresh to God's ways, I can find God's help to live within the boundaries that God's given me. Come on, give the Lord a good hand this morning. He's worthy of our praise. I want you to bow your your, your heads just a moment. And I simply want to ask you this question. What is the Holy Spirit putting his finger on today? Because chances are real good that in the course of this message, it wasn't just the preacher making you feel bad, but it was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. 
And whatever God has said to you, I want to just encourage you right now. Say, yes, Lord, I'll obey. Come on, whatever it is, just in your mind's eye, if it's a person you need to get away from, if it's a place you need to stop going to, if it's an internet, if it's a whatever it is, if it's something you need to reset, set, get rid of, uh, 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 if light needs to be in some area of your relationship, just say yes to the Lord. Because, Lord, I believe every person in this room today wants to please you. And I ask you to help us move from lust to love and stay in love with the right person the rest of our life. In Jesus' name. Let's close this way. We're going to have one last song and then dismiss. But I want to bring our prayer team to the front today and, and just offer a prayer for anything that you might have need of. We'll pray for, like I said, anything it could be. Maybe something this message, maybe you're convicted there's something I need to get away from. I need to get rid of, but I don't think I can do it on my own. I need God to help me. Maybe it's your spouse that's being pulled away by this. Maybe it's your kids. It could be anything. You just, you just, whatever it is, we'll pray for you. But most importantly, I'd like to offer prayer today if you're here. And you would just say, Pastor, I don't even know if I died today if I'd go to heaven or hell. But one thing I do know is I believe in God. And I've been looking at that cross today over there. And I, 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 I'm, I know enough to know that Jesus died on the cross to forgive me for my sins. And I know I need to turn my heart and follow Jesus. And I know that's what's missing in my life. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, I don't want to leave this place the same way I came in. I want Jesus to not only forgive me, but I want to begin to follow him as my Lord and Savior. And if that's you today, we'd be honored to pray for you. It's not joining the church. You can do that if you like to another time. But this is you getting right with God at the most basic level. Maybe you've been a Christian, you walk with God, but you got away. And today you're just feeling drawn back to God and you want to commit your life to him. When they begin to sing, I'm going to encourage you to just step right over to the cross. Someone will meet you. We will not embarrass you, but we will pray for you and give you some things that will help you as you make the greatest decision of your life. Guys, go ahead and begin to sing. Our prayer team's coming to the front right now. And if you need prayer for anything, you come. Let them pray for you. But most importantly, if you need to get right with God, we'll see you at the cross. I love you, and thanks for coming today.